Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our Old Testament lesson is from Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Gospel lesson is from Gospel of Luke, and we are the first verse for uh, from today's reading was the last verse uh, last week. So we're just picking up kind of the continuation of the story. And this is Jesus has gone back into Galilee into the synagogue and has read from the prophet Isaiah, and then this continues. So hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Well, it is... Super Bowl Sunday today, and, and sometimes I'll throw in a football reference in the sermon or something, but I don't have that today, and maybe it's just because the Packers aren't in it, so my heart's just uh, not there, but uh, there it is. And, but it, as I was reading the end of this gospel lesson, I, I just had this image. I didn't have it any other time this week, but I just had this, uh, this image of the crowd coming around Jesus and him sneaking through. I thought, oh, how much like... Uh, an Aaron Rodgers kind of kind of play. Well, anyway, on to the sermon. 
As we can see in Jeremiah, when God bids one to do something, when God calls one to do something, God equips that person to do it. God gives whatever is needed to do whatever it is that God asks of you, calls us to do, with no excuses allowed. We're not allowed to make excuses. Jeremiah learned that. Moses learned that. You may remember at the burning bush when God says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, well, I'm not. I, I'm not a good speaker. I can't do that. And so God says, well, then I will send someone with you who can speak. But there was no getting out of it for Moses. God gave him a call and gave him what he needed to do it. Jeremiah's excuse was that he was but a child. I am but a child. I can't do what you ask me to do. And God says that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. I called you to do this, and I am going to be with you. I will give you what you need. I will make sure that you have what you need to do what I call you to do. And it's easy to find and make excuses. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too poor, I have too much to lose. Or excuses that churches might make, we're too small, we don't have enough resources, we don't have the people, uh, whatever. All sorts of excuses that we might use to avoid moving forward in faith and discipleship. From moving forward into those uncomfortable places, which is where God so often calls us to go. Growth happens in the uncomfortable places. Ministry happens uh, outside uh, the confines of what is comfortable quite often. Ministry happens in those uncomfortable places. But it's very natural and human to respond in fear when asked to do something that's, that's different or unusual, or new, or unexpected, and especially if, if it's difficult, uh, or even just scary, if it is to go into a place that's very uncomfortable. Jesus was up against that kind of attitude as well. He had just read from Isaiah. This was, uh, you know, Jesus was baptized, had his time of temptation out in the desert, and comes back home and is in the synagogue, he reads from Isaiah, and he proclaims that today, today, the scripture is fulfilled. And to refresh your memory of what he read, part of, uh, he read from the prophet Isaiah, which included these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. Now, that's not the path to winning friends and influencing your neighbors. Those are very challenging words. That's kind of an overthrow of the system, in a sense. Jesus saying, I have come to turn everything upside down. I... uh, I've come to make everything different. And then after Jesus, uh, after Jesus reads from Isaiah and says the scripture is fulfilled today, then he kind of goes on the attack. And, and it's 
curious that he does because the people haven't really responded in any way that would that ought to make Jesus respond the way that he does. I, but for some reason, he just gets kind of angry with them and just attacks them, sort of out of the blue. He says, a prophet is never accepted in his hometown. Well, they haven't done anything so far to show that they're not ready to accept him, but he makes that assumption. Uh, Jesus is saying, I have just told you what I'm going to do by reading from Isaiah. This is what I'm about. I've just told you what I'm going to do, and I am going to assume that you're going to reject me for it. Uh, And so there we are. And now that he started digging his hole, then he might just as well dig it deep. And he continues to, to press them. He digs deeper. He equates them with people from ancient days, people who were just like them, self-professed, faithful Jews living in God's covenant, but the self-professing kind who were maybe not particularly faithful or faithful to the law, to the letter of the law about personal piety and personal cleanliness. They're doing everything right in that sense, but they're not following the intent of the law, which is loving community, to build loving communities of justice and mercy and peace. And so Jesus goes after him. He says, you know, you're like the people in Elijah's time. You all remember what happened during Elijah's time, right? We'd been under three and a half years of famine because the people were disobeying God. And then what happened? Yeah, God acted. God showed up. God did something but not on behalf of our people. Not on behalf of any of the people that thought they were part of God's covenant. God showed up and sent Elijah to go save a widow of Sidon, a people that you thought God hated, a people that you thought were outside of God's love, outside of God's realm. Jesus reminds his listeners of that story. And then he says, and remember, in Elisha's time, Our country was full of lepers. And what did God do? God showed up to bring healing and cleansing, but not for any of the people. The only leper that God healed was the leader of the commanding army of the enemy. Or was the commander of the enemy's army that was attacking us. That's the one that God healed. That's the one who actually had the faith to trust God. And so Jesus might have said, put that in your bonnet to these people. Remember that. God's message is for outsiders. And it's not surprising that the people that were around Jesus were so enraged after hearing these words. I probably would be. You probably would be. To hear words like this of of insult and challenge. But I hope that I would have uh, the maturity and openness to consider his words. And that all of us would have that openness to consider his words. And not just Jesus' words here in this situation, but any time that someone offers words that challenge our thinking or challenge who we are, uh, to at least consider the words. You may still think they're all completely wrong, but to spend a moment to at least consider them and not just strike out in violence, to consider that maybe he's right. Maybe he has something that I ought to hear, something that I need to hear. 
And that it's not his words that need to change, but my attitude, my thinking, my assumptions about God that need to be reevaluated. But the people do not listen. And like Jeremiah, they respond with an excuse, but unlike Jeremiah, they never come around to acceptance. They respond with a, an excuse, and not even a really good one. They don't have the honesty or the integrity to say, we simply don't want to do what you're talking about. Uh, they really kind of respond in a way that says, your words aren't even worth considering. And your words are so awful that we are going to form a mob and try to throw you off a cliff. We are going to shut you up for good. We don't have to change. And we resent your words Jesus' liberating words, his message of peace, his inclusion of all the world, not just the chosen people, but all the world, were too much. Too much to hear. We have no room in our hearts. I can imagine those people thinking or hear or saying, we have no room in our hearts to accept that others can be part of God's plan, or part of God's realm. That's sad. That's a sad response. And prophets are rarely welcome. They're rarely welcome in their hometown. I remember many years ago, uh, as I was coming into the ministry, someone saying, you know, whatever you do, because I grew up in the church in Janesville, said, whatever you do, don't ever try to be minister of that church. Because all the people in that church are going to know you as little David. And there's a lot of truth in that. There's, they know, you know, people know who I was as a child and a teenager and can be difficult to sometimes take someone seriously that you know uh, for so long and, and, and so well. And so it is, uh, you know, pretty much always suggested that ministers never try to go back and serve the church they grew up in. Prophets are rarely welcome. And often that's because prophets hold up mirrors that are very accurate uh, and that don't try to whitewash anything. They hold up very accurate mirrors to us. And that tends to annoy people. It tends to annoy people who are very comfortable with the way things are, very comfortable with a lifestyle or a way of doing things or ideas about God or about Jesus or about how we are supposed to act as Christians, as disciples, very comfortable with a certain way of being the church in the world. And Jesus' words are challenging. Not just to the people that were there in the synagogue with him, but continue to be challenging to us. Although we have certainly become far more inclusive over time, of outsiders and much more sensitive to that. But especially in, in Jesus' time, the big change in his way was the inclusion of people who were on the outside. The inclusion of people who were on the outside. And that could be pretty uncomfortable to bring in strangers. Not just people that you don't know, but people that you don't know and who are very different. You may have a very different lifestyle or different culture different attitudes. Jesus comes and proclaims that his mission is to the people who are on the outside, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. 
That's a pretty radical message. And that his, his mission is also to the people who are on the inside but who are considered unclean, the people that have been pushed to the margins even within Jewish society. Lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, the poor, women, all the people that were on the outside. Jesus is saying, in effect, to them, you people were chosen by God to be a blessing to the world. Remember that covenant with Abraham? You were chosen to be a blessing to the world, and you've twisted that to mean that only you are blessed, and that you are special, that you are more special than people on the outside, and you are not blessing the world, and even within your community, you're trying to establish ranks of who is more special and, and most special and less special and not special at all. And so here's what God's going to do through me. I am going to take God's realm to those people because they will appreciate it. They will know what I'm talking about. They will understand the message and they won't squander it because they know that they need it, and they'll share it, and they will embrace others to come into that community. And you, imagine Jesus saying to the people in that synagogue, you can come with me. You can choose to be part of that realm, but you can't stay where you are if you want to come with me. If you want to be part of that realm and come with me, you're going to have to move. Can't stay where you are. No excuses. No excuses. And even when the crowd tried to surround Jesus and to force him to live within that boundaries of the mob that they created, Jesus even broke that boundary and snuck through the crowd and went on his way. And some followed. Some followed him. And the ones that followed him were pretty motley These were not the high-end great people of the time, and it was a small group. But yet, but yet, even with no political power and with no religious power, this small group of Jesus' followers who could very easily have said, like Jeremiah, we're too young, we're too new, or said that we're We're too few. We're too small of a group. The group that could easily have made excuses went up against the Roman Empire, even as they were murdered by the hundreds, maybe by the thousands, over decades of Roman oppression of Christians. And they went up against the Jewish and the Greek and the Roman and other religious powers of the time, and they prevailed. The small group of people had their mission and took it, even in the face of overwhelming odds. And now, here we sit. We're here in this beautiful sanctuary, gathering together here to worship heirs of the legacy of that small group almost 2,000 years ago, continuing the struggle to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to proclaim it to a people that maybe don't want to hear it. Or to proclaim it to a people that want to hear it but don't know 
but they want to hear it until they hear it. And those who want to hear it and are waiting, that are waiting to hear it, who have been either abused by the church in the past and want to hear that message that Jesus offered, or who have just seen uh, bad things that the church has done and are waiting to see the good things that a church does. Or it's just simply people who are, are suffering and on the outside, who have been neglected, who have been left alone, who have been pushed to the boundaries, who need to know that God loves them and that they are cherished by God and that they can be cherished by other people in the world, people like us. People like us. We are heirs of an incredible legacy of this Christian message of love and God's radical inclusion of all of God's people. That's our mission. That's our message. Our message to proclaim. And God has equipped us with what is needed to do that. And thanks be to God. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, This is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.